Good morning. We are, we are going through a, a series through the book of Philippians called Unexpected Joy. And I just want to give you a quick recap about what's going on here. Paul is in prison again, and circumstances aren't all that great. But here he is in jail, and, and he chooses joy. In the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, he says, count it joy to be found worthy to suffer disgrace for Jesus. And last week, we left off with two major challenges. The first one is strive for unity in the church, right? Have nothing to do with gossip and have nothing to do with negative talk. Have nothing to do with tearing down other people. Seek relationships with people who look nothing like you. And practically, we're asking that you would have a meal with someone who looks nothing like you and invite somebody to your home who looks nothing like you. And we said as well, in terms of humility, we said model humility in your home. Model humility at work and in your neighborhood. Just model humility. Seek to live this selfless life. Check your pride. And... and Learn to have grace. Learn to have grace at home and at school and at work. And look at others as more important than yourselves. And Paul, he's still talking about unity in the church. And Paul is saying that if we can show that same humility towards others, then it's going to start marking us as a church. It's going to mark us as a church where everybody is on level ground because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we will be a church that's focused on one thing. We'll be a church that's focused on one intent, and that is to seek to do His will above anything else, if we would learn humility in our lives. I heard this story about five people who were on a plane. There was a teen there was a preacher, there was a doctor, there was a lawyer, and the pilot. And they're in this little plane, and they're traveling, and all of a sudden, there's some engine problems. And the pilot came out, and he said, look, there are five of us, and there's only four parachutes. So good luck. And he grabbed the parachute, and he jumped out of the plane. And the doctor said, look, I've saved a lot of people, and I deserve to live. And so he grabbed a pack, and he jumped out of the plane. The lawyer said, I'm the smartest guy in the world. And he grabbed a pack, and he jumped out of the plane. And the preacher looked at the boy, and he said, look, you've got your whole life ahead of you. And besides that, I know where I'm going. I know that I'm going to be in heaven if I were to die. So you should take the last pack and go. And the boy looked at the preacher and he said, Pastor, relax. The smartest guy just jumped out of the plane with my backpack. And the moral of this story is found in Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. So be humble and be selfless. You know, pride is the oldest sin in the universe. And while our, our culture says 
Humility is weak. And while our culture says, do whatever it takes to get to the top, Scripture says, be meek and be humble. So I want to ask you this question this morning. I mean, what would happen if you treated your boss better than yourself? There are some people here who, some of you are in management positions and, and you're leaders at your places of employment or maybe even here at the church and ministry. What would happen if you treated your subordinates better than yourself? There are some people here this morning who, some of you, you're going through some rough patches in your marriage. What would happen if you treated your husband better than yourself? What would happen if you treated your wife better than yourself? What, what would happen if we went to school, right? Whether we're in junior high or high school or college, what would happen if we were at school and we treated not just our friends, but like the outcasts better than ourselves? I want to tell you today that God is reminding us, and he's been actually speaking this through our worship this morning, that there is strength in humility. There is strength in humility. It's humility that builds the church. It's humility that builds the body of Christ. Humility is what God can use to build you up. And if you can strive to have humility in your life, you will have unexpected joy. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 onwards. Philippians 2, verse 5. And if you have a blue Bible in your pew, you can grab that. And the back end of that Bible, you can look with us on page 193. Page 193. All right, this is what it says, starting in verse 5. Oh, I lied. That's the wrong page. Page 185. Page 185, if you have a blue, a blue Bible in your pew. This is what it says in chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. All right, so this is what Paul is saying. He's saying that your attitude should be like this. Be like Christ. Be like Christ. And so if you didn't understand what Paul was saying about humility, about treating other people better than yourself in the previous few verses, then Paul is about to make it clear right now by giving us the ultimate example of humility to follow in Jesus. Whatever he's about to tell us, this is something that you and I, we have got to apply in our lives. With your husband, with your wives, with your kids, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, anyone who you're in relationship with, have this attitude that was also in Jesus. Verse 6, Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Let's just talk about that for a second. See, Jesus didn't think that his 
heavenly position was something that he needed to hold on to so tightly. But instead, verse 7, he emptied himself. He emptied himself. Or he sacrificed his position in heaven when he went from heaven to earth to become a man. You know, if you think about Jesus, Jesus had the perfect setup, didn't he? I mean, he's reigning in heaven with his Father. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There are no problems. There are angels who are there. They are worshiping him. And he chose voluntarily to give up everything that he had. To come down to earth to become a man. I mean, here he is, and he left this, the magnificence of heaven to come to earth's mess. Emptied himself. And so if we say that we want to be like Jesus, if Paul is saying, have this attitude in you that Jesus had, then what am I willing to sacrifice? I mean, are, are you willing to give up the things that you consider valuable to you? Are you willing to give up your time? Are you willing to give up your resources? Are you willing to give up your money? Now, that might be easy to do with some of our family relationships, but are you willing to give those things up for people in the church? I mean, are you willing to give up those things for people at school? Are you willing to give up those things for people at work? What about to people who have wronged you? Are you willing to give up? Are you willing to sacrifice for those who have wronged you? What about to people who don't deserve it? And what, what about people who you just flat out don't like? Or are you grasping onto your time? Are you holding onto your time? Are you grasping onto your position and your status and your reputation like it's this precious jewel that you've worked so hard for and you don't want to lose? What are you, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to sacrifice for the kingdom? What are you willing to sacrifice to see the lost found? What are you willing to sacrifice? The second thing that Paul tells us is that you can easily recognize the humility of Jesus because he didn't cling to that position in heaven, but he became a man. And he could have come to this wealthy home, and he could have come to this priestly home. He could have come in royalty, but he took another step of humility by being born into controversy and being born into poverty and being born as a servant. You see, every time you see Jesus, he's in this position of service. He's always serving people. He's washing the feet of people. He's feeding people. He's raising someone from the dead. He's healing people. He's doing all of these miracles for other people. 
And the question that we need to ask ourselves is this, how much am I willing to serve? Or do I come here looking to be served? Do I come here willing to serve others or am I a little bit above doing some things? Will I do whatever it takes to see lost people found? You know, Jesus, he voluntarily gave himself. He poured himself out. He he emptied himself from heaven, and then he lowered himself again, verse 7, taking the form of a slave. And so while the king of heaven could have taken a position of authority and a position of power and a position of influence, he chose instead to humble himself and to be born in a dirty cave. He, he chose to live in poverty even though he's in the lineage of King David. And, and while he is the creator of the universe, he humbled himself to serve his creation. This is what it says in the Gospel of Mark. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How are you serving God? I mean, this morning, how are you serving him? Where are you serving God? How are you serving other people? I mean, that's what the Scripture says, that He came and He came to serve other people. So if we're supposed to have this attitude that Christ had, then how are you serving other people? Here is Jesus. And He takes this huge step down in humility by leaving the majesty of heaven to come to the mess of this world. And, and then he takes another step down by being born into poverty and becoming a servant of his creation. And then he takes a further step down in his attitude of humility Verse 8, by being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, but not just any death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus is willing to suffer, not this normal death, not this death of old age, right? Not this, not this death of some health condition, but he chose this humiliating death. In fact, this is the worst type of death at the time. See, the Romans, they had perfected humiliating criminals with their form of death on a cross. And here is our innocent Jesus Sentenced to a death that he didn't deserve. But he's willing to go through suffering. He's willing to go through rejection. He's willing to go through the pain so that you and I would inherit eternal life. You know, there's this 
false teaching that's going out there that, that says that the Christian life is easy. Where you're going to have perfect health and perfect wealth. But if you're supposed to have the attitude of Jesus, when you look at the life of Jesus, nothing was easy. And he went through this pain and this suffering and this agony and he was willing to suffer for you. Humility is costly. There was a word that came to us this morning during, during our time of worship. And it said this, are you willing to pay the cost of showing people the love of Jesus? Humility for us is costly. Maybe not like Jesus, but lowering your pride is painful. Humility is uncomfortable, isn't it? It can cost you your reputation. It, it could cost some misunderstandings. Humility can cost you your time. It can cost you some money. Are you willing to pay that cost? Am I willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel? Most of us, if we're honest, we hate to be inconvenienced in our lives, right? Most of us, we want this easy Christianity where I ask God for this and I get it when I want it. I mean, that is selfish living. It's nothing what Paul is telling us here and what God expects of us. So are you willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel? The last part of the word that came to us this morning was this. It may cost you the approval of man in order to have the approval of God. Millie had no clue what I was preaching on this morning, by the way. Are you willing to suffer for the sake of of the gospel? Are you willing to suffer rejection because you want to make a stand firm for who Jesus is? Are you willing to suffer pain? Are you willing to suffer humiliation for your life with Jesus? You know, for Jesus, humility was painful. It meant crucifixion. The most degrading, embarrassing, excruciating form of death that's known to man. You ever wonder why he did that? You ever wonder why he took that form of humility? I mean, why lower yourself from heaven to earth, from earth to servanthood, from servanthood to the cross? I mean, why that low? Well, it's that level of humility that you and I both needed more than anything else in this world because that's what it took to experience forgiveness. But why, why that extent? Why go that low? The only reason is because He loves you. 
I mean, God is showing you and God is showing me that His unfathomable love knows no bounds. It's proof that our God loves us so much that He would do anything for you. Even empty Himself out from heaven to become a slave, to die a criminal's death, even though he was an innocent man, all because of his amazing love for you. I hope that you're encouraged by that this morning. That our God loved you so much that he was willing to do whatever it took for you. I don't know what you're going through this morning And maybe you're in a situation where it feels like he's abandoned you. Maybe you're in a situation where it feels like he's left you. Maybe you just feel as though you're going through this storm and it feels like he's just sleeping. Maybe it feels as though he hasn't answered you for some time. I want you to know that humility is always hopeful. It is always hopeful. Hopeful, just when you think that all hope is lost, Jesus is ready to show himself strong to you. Just when the waves are crashing all around you and you think that he's sleeping, he's about to get up and calm those waves and those winds. Just when you think that he's not around, he's about to reveal himself to you in a way that you have never seen before. Just when you think that he is dead, he is about to show you that he is about to burst forth from that grave and show you that he is still alive and well. And he is about to prove to you that he is still interested in every detail that is going on in your life right now. There is no lengths that he won't go To prove himself to you. Humility is always hopeful. It is always hopeful. Let's continue reading in verse 9. For this reason also, God highly exalted him. God highly exalted him. You see, because of Jesus' humility, the Father highly exalted him. You know, highly exalted is this, it's really this one word in the original Greek, and it means that he hyper-exalted him or he super-exalted him. It means that he took him and he lifted him up and over, right? Here is Jesus, and Jesus is saying, I'm going lower, I'm going lower, I'm going lower. And because he did that, God has highly exalted him up and over. While Jesus has gone lower and lower and lower, God says, I will lift, and I will lift, and I will lift, and I will super exalt Jesus. See, the reward for Jesus' 
Jesus' humility is being super exalted. It is being hyper exalted by God the Father with a reclaimed designation. For this reason, God highly exalted him and he gave to him the name which is above every name. And there is this important lesson that you and I can learn from this passage that we're reading together God exalts the humble. In 1 Peter chapter 5, this is what it says. It says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you at the proper time. See, God knows just the right time to raise you up. He knows just the right time to lift you up. Stop living your life for the affirmation from other people, but trust God enough for God's timing of exaltation. And so I want to tell you this morning that if Jesus can humble himself, then you can humble yourself. If Jesus can humble himself, then you can humble yourself. If the Lord of all could humble himself, then you can give up some of your pride. And if God in due time exalted his son Jesus, then don't you think that in due time, at the right time, at the proper time, that he will lift you up and over. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 18. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Psalm 10 says this, God listens to the humble. In Job 22, it says, God saves the humble. In Isaiah 57, it says, God says, I dwell with the humble. And God responds to those who are humble. Let's look at verse 10 and 11 as we begin to close this morning. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Smith and I were talking this week, man, this scripture is alive. This scripture is alive. I mean, some of you get goosebumps when you read this. And some of you, you need to take some time and invest in scripture. You need to take some time and dive into this. This is how you get sustenance and nourishment for your life, for your day, for your week. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. You know, for every lowly position that our Jesus took, God the Father hyper-exalted him. And, and he placed him up and over the lowliest position that Jesus was willing to take on for himself. Let me explain this a little bit. Jesus chose to lower himself by coming to this messy world. And God exalted him by having him return to his rightful place at the right hand of God to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, who chose to lower himself again and be born in a dirty cave instead of a wealthy home, and Jesus, who chose to be living as a servant, God hyper-exalted him by welcoming him back to the majesty of heaven. Jesus, who had people accuse him and spit on him and reject him and sentence him to a criminal's death and nail a mocking sign on his cross saying, King of the Jews, God has hyper-exalted him by rightfully bestowing on Jesus the name which is above every single name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, this passage screams one thing God exalts the humble to the glory of God the Father. I'm going to close with this. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this word Lord, it's, it's interesting. In the Hebrew, it's translated as Adonai. Adonai. And it's the word acknowledging Jehovah. It's this word that acknowledges God. It didn't just mean the Lord, this person who is sovereign. It's God. And it meant not just the Lord, it meant my Lord. You remember Thomas when he sees Jesus after the resurrection. He looks at Jesus' nail-scarred hands, and he says one thing. He says, my Lord and my God. See, he personalized this. I want to ask you this question this morning. Have you personalized the Lordship of Jesus in your life? Is Jesus the Lord of all? Is he the Lord of your family? Is he the Lord of your finances? Is he the Lord of your career? Is he the Lord of your education? Does he rule over the throne of your heart? 
you know, if Jesus becomes the Lord of all of who I am, then it means that I have to give up my control. I have to give up control of my decision making. I have to give up control of my finances. I have to give up control of what I do and what I say and where I go. And there are some people sitting here today who would say, I'm not sure I want him to be Lord of all. I mean, I want to be able to enjoy the things that I enjoy right now. I mean, there are some people here today who believe that Jesus is king. You believe that he is king. You believe that he is savior of all. I mean, you've asked him to come into your heart and into your life, but you haven't given him total rule of your family. And you haven't given him total lordship over your finances or your education or your thoughts. You haven't given him total lordship over all areas of your life. But if you and I would come, and if you and I would just surrender our lives, if we would just surrender our decision making, if we would surrender our families, if we would surrender our finances, if we would surrender our time, if you would allow Jesus his rightful place on the throne of your heart, if you would allow him to be the Lord over everything today, man, your lives would look so different. Man, the Lord would do some incredible things in us. The Lord would do amazing, wonderful astonishing things in our families. Because when we give Him full control, when we surrender the throne of our hearts to Jesus, that's when our lives become worth the living. And so I encourage you today to take some time and surrender completely to Him. And if you would do that, he would walk with you, and he would talk with you, and he would be with you in the ups, in the, in the downs, and he will show you what real living is really like. And the first step towards God is humility. It's never pride. You know, some people look at God and they say, look at all these great things that I've done for you. That is the wrong approach. Some of you would say, hey, listen, I go to church every single week and I'm very religious. And that's not the approach that God is looking for. But if you would go to him and say, God, I have nothing. And if you would go to God and just say, God, I am broken, and I've messed up, and I am a sinner, and I need forgiveness. I have nothing to offer you, but I know that I need you. God says, I am all about that. Because God saves the humble, and God listens to the humble, and he dwells with the humble this morning, would you stand with me today? 
with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask the prayer team if you would make your way up to the altars here this morning. So with every eye closed and, and, and no one looking around, this is just between you and the Lord this morning. If you have never personally asked Jesus to be your Lord, to be your master, or to be your Savior, I want to tell you that's what you need. And you can't say that my parents know Jesus. You can't say that, hey, listen, I got people in my family who are in the ministry. It doesn't matter. The question is, is have you personally surrendered your life to Jesus? That's the issue. Is Jesus your Lord personally? Not your moms, not your dads, not your brothers or your sisters or your husband or your wife. Is Jesus your Lord? Is he your master? Is he your savior? And if he's not, why not? Why not admit that I need you, Lord, and I need your love? I need your help, and I need your forgiveness. This morning, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and you want to make him Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you to do something different this morning. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Would you do that maybe for the first time? Would you raise your hand? God bless you this morning. God bless you this morning. God bless you this morning. Some of you here today, you've asked Jesus into your heart and into your life, but he hasn't been Lord of all. And if that's you this morning and you want to make him Lord of all over every part of your life, would you raise your hand this morning? God bless you this morning. 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 Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we surrender to you. And in our surrender, would you help us find peace? God, would you help people experience your forgiveness here in this room right now? God, would you have your way in us, Lord Jesus? God, would you help us to have the courage to take those steps of humility? Give us the strength to suffer for your name. Give us the strength to sacrifice for your cause. And in the midst of that, would you be honored would you be glorified and would you be highly exalted? This morning, if you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and if this is the first time that you're asking him to do that, would you pray this prayer just in your heart right now? Lord, I give you my life. I know that I am a sinner. Forgive me. 
I believe in Jesus. I believe you paid for my sins, that you died on a cross. I believe you rose from the dead, and so I turn away from my sin. Jesus, I leave my past behind me. I turn to Jesus as Savior, as my friend, as my Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.